X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, and it is Election Day. Or, since people have been voting for weeks, maybe, more accurately, it's the election deadline. We're going to start it here. Local fans only. X-Ray. Today, back in the day, November 3rd, 1926, Queen Marie of Romania visited the Columbia Gorge. When a queen comes to the Columbia Gorge in 1926, it's a big deal. The event is part of the history of the Mary Hill Museum in Goldendale, Washington. On that day, Queen Marie dedicated the mansion that Sam Hill, Washington State millionaire, built on the north side of the Columbia River. What in the Sam Hill? Queen Marie said during her dedication, there is a dream built into this place. Sam Hill is my friend. He's not only a dreamer, but he's a worker. So when Samuel Hill asked me to come, I came with love. What in the Sam Hill? Later that day, the Queen rode in a motorcade across the Burnside Bridge while onlurkers cheered, saying, What? You know what they said already without even me saying it. Today, back in the day, November 3rd, 1979, the Greensboro Massacre occurred, during which the Ku Klux Klan and the Nazis killed five people. The KKK and the Nazis fired on an anti-Klan rally in Greensboro, North Carolina. The names of those who were killed? Cesar Vincente Sauce, Michael Donald Nathan, Sandra Neely Smith, William Evan Simpson, and James Michael Waller. The police were warned beforehand of potential violence, but decided not to be present at the event. And today, back in the day, November 3rd, 2014, the One World Trade Center opened. Also known as the Freedom Tower, the building was built to replace the World Trade Center, which was destroyed on September 11th. The One World Trade Center, the tallest building in the United States, sixth tallest building in the world, just south of the building on the original site of the World Trade Center, sits the Memorial Museum for 9-11. We'll start with the Quick 6 News headlines. We'll have an interview with Dana Haynes, managing editor of the Portland Tribune, with reflections on the election. X-ray. And now it's time for the talented Emily Gilliland. It's time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. Oregon is on track for a record high voter turnout this election. Today is the last day, Tuesday, November 3rd, to get out and vote. You can vote in person at libraries all over Multnomah County, as well as Pioneer Square, Regal Cinemas, and Voting Center Express. As of yesterday, almost 2 million mail-in ballots were counted. That means Oregon will almost certainly set a new record for the number of votes cast in a single election. Two-thirds of registered voters in the state have already cast their ballots. During the last two presidential elections, between 80 and 82 percent of registered voters returned their ballots in Oregon. Nearly 79 percent of Democrats, as well as 73 percent of Republicans and 48 percent of non-affiliated voters have already voted. Early voting has surged in rural as well as urban counties. Voter turnout is up in Yamhill, Tillamook, Benton, and Lane counties. Ballots must be returned by 8 p.m. Tuesday, November 3rd. We'll be covering election results from 7 to 9 p.m. with commentary from Jefferson Smith and Candace Avalos. We'll also have interviews with a ton of amazing guests, including Commissioner Joanne Hardesty, District Attorney Mike Schmidt, Senator Ron Wyden, Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, Secretary of State Candidate Shamia Fagan, and many, many more. Again, 7 to 9 p.m. on election evening. You can find the broadcast at xray.fm on our Facebook page or YouTube page. A flurry of endorsements were announced just days before the election is over. Senator Bernie Sanders announced his support for mayoral candidate 
Sarah A. Anarone, and incumbent city commissioner Chloe U. Daly. Sanders also endorsed Ashton Simpson, Winsvay Campos, and Ricky Ruiz for state representative seats. On the other side, former Mayor Sam Adams and former City Commissioner Eric Sten endorsed current Mayor Ted Wheeler. The endorsements make certain political alliances more explicit, but with so many ballots already turned in, it's unclear if they will have any impact on late voter decisions. And now time for your daily dose of data. The Oregon Health Authority reported 557 new coronavirus cases yesterday. That marks the fifth consecutive day with over 500 cases. That brings the state's total number of cases to 45,978. One new death was announced yesterday. That brings the total number of deaths to 692 people. In Washington, there's been a total of 108,315,000 coronavirus cases. There have been 2,366 deaths from the disease. Portland Community College's new training center aims for a soft opening spring 2021. A school is calling it the Oregon Manufacturing Innovation Center. Located in Scapoose, the center will focus on manufacturing disciplines like welding, machining, and mechatronics. The world of manufacturing is changing quickly. Simulation, automation, 3D printing, and robotics are all altering the way goods and pro- are produced and sold. PCC's new training center will give students more experience with new technology and methods. The center's soft opening means fewer teachers, fewer students, and fewer courses, at least starting out. But PCC is aiming to ramp up their apprenticeship and training programs as the year progresses. It will even have a pre-apprenticeship program for high school students. They're hoping for a more complete opening in the fall of 2021. Governor Kate Brown has declared a state of emergency and puts the National Guard on standby before the election. Anticipating protests tonight, Governor Kate Brown declared the emergency to last from 5 p.m. Monday to 5 p.m. Wednesday. Under the state of emergency, the state police and Multnomah County Sheriff's Office will take the lead when dealing with protesters. That means law enforcement can use CS gas, a type of tear gas that the Portland Police Bureau is banned from using. Local government pushed hard for that ban on CS gas. But Brown and state police aren't interested in that kind of demilitarization. Speaking about CS gas specifically, Brown said, quote, law enforcement needs these tools at times to keep Oregonians safe and to protect property. The National Guard is also on standby as they were during some of the most eventful nights of protesting this summer. But federal officers, including Homeland Security and ICE, have been barred from engaging in crowd control beyond a one block radius surrounding the federal courthouse. Within that one block radius, however, federal law enforcement will still be able to make arrests and bring felony charges against protesters. So this election cycle, it looks like there's going to be a pretty significant police presence citywide. The Trump administration has removed federal protection for Oregon's gray wolves. After 46 years, gray wolves are no longer protected under the Endangered Species Act. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service stated that the animal is no longer under threat of extinction. Now it's up to the state and tribal governments to determine how best to conserve gray wolf populations. According to the most recent data, there are 108 gray wolves in Washington, 158 in Oregon, and 15 in California, yet there are still only three wolf packs in western Oregon. Oregon dropped its endangered species protections for gray wolves in 2015, but the federal recovery plan still played a big role 
and how the state dealt with its gray wolves, resulting in an overlap between the state and federal systems. Now Oregon will develop a single new management plan for gray wolves. Local ranchers praised the decision to strip gray wolves of their federal protections, but some environmental groups criticized the federal government for ignoring data and making choices uninformed by science. Numerous environmental groups plan to sue the government over the wolves' delisting. And finally, good news. Even though Powell's doors are still closed, it has a new moneymaker, Perfume. The city's beloved bookstore sent out a survey earlier this year asking customers what they missed most about Powell's. The answer was decisive. People missed the smell of cracking open a brand new book. So until the flagship store in downtown Portland opens once again widely, you can buy the new Powell's unisex fragrance. It has hints of wood and violet, just like the musk of a really good book. The fragrance is available just in time for the holiday season, so bibliophiles everywhere rejoice. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Over the last several months and beyond, we have been offered interviews, debates, and candidate mailers to help inform our votes this election. Dana Haynes is the managing editor of the Portland Tribune and recently moderated a series of debates put on by the Portland City Club leading up to this election. Here's Dana Haynes speaking with X-Ray's Julia Oppenheimer and Andy Lindbergh about the debates and reflections on local races. Good morning, Dana. Hey, folks. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, let's jump right in. Um, on the national scale, um, I think we've seen just how bad a bad debate can be. Uh, the City Club debates that you moderated were so refreshing in contrast. How do we foster healthy, respectful, political debate? <laughs> well, let me say that the very first debate that I did with the City Club, we had a technical issue. They couldn't get any audio. And the mayor and I were on the air live without being able to speak for 45 minutes before the engineers pulled the plug. So <laughs> well, that's was, the most pleasant sounding political debate I've heard of. Chris Just, Wallace called later and said he was so jealous. Um, <laughs> Just uh, empty but no, air. The, thing. the City Club it does a really, really good service. Some other groups like Westside Economic Alliance do the same thing, where they foster good conversation and they give it amount of time and they give it the oxygen and the, the light that it needs. And we're at, at our newspaper chain. We're big, big fans of these civic organizations. Mm-hmm. Same thing that X-Ray does, same thing that uh, OPB does uh, and that we try and do of, of really focusing on the fact that we've got exciting, interesting races right here that affect people's lives, their homes, their pocketbooks, their kids. So uh, the reason we were able to do those debates because they got 700, 800, 900 people watching live was because we have this uh, quality organizations here in town that, that foster that kind of thing. Are there, are there other aspects of a local race that, uh, that perhaps allow candidates to, uh, to speak uh, with more, you know, respect and uh, dignity uh, about about their positions and and what their what their message is. Yeah, we we see it here for sure. And I covered the legislature for many many years. I was a bureau chief for the Capitol Bureau for the Salem Statesman Journal, and for the most part, you would see a Republican and a Democrat who would have lunch together down in the basement and then go upstairs and vote against each other. There was a level of civility. <laughs> okay. that, has, that has dissipated a little. It's not quite as good as it once was, but we generally have in the past had um, well-meaning people who are running for good reasons. We have uh, really the world's worst corruption in the, in the state of Oregon. Nobody 
nobody gets into politics to get rich. Our, our corruption coverage is the most boring in the nation. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that it's, it's actually true that there has been and traditionally a level of civility in the debate uh, in Portland and in Oregon. That has faded a bit. Uh, we For a long time, we had a center-right Republican Party in the state. There's less of a center-right Republican Party in the state than there used to be. So it's, it has faded for sure. Do you see advantages to um, a, like a Zoom debate or an online debate versus the in-person debates um, in the past? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, when I vote, I do it with uh, my wife, who's a uh, foot and a half smarter than I am, sitting next to me, and we have our voters' pamphlets open, and I also have the Internet up, and I can look for some what other other publications have written and I can do all my research. And so I, and we generally will, will pop a cork and have a glass of wine and sit there and go through our votes together, which is an incredibly civilized way to vote. Mm-hmm. I also get to do it when it's convenient for me. I don't have to get a sitter. I don't have to miss a day of work. I don't have to stand in line in the cold or with people wearing masks. I think we have, there was a, there was a political analysis uh, last, that came out last week, and I fail to remember who said it, that Oregon is the easiest state in union in which to vote. We've made it as easy as possible. And the New York Times had a piece this morning that said there are, forgive me, I'm going to say 40 efforts nationwide going on to restrict voting, and that virtually all of them are coming from the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. There, there seemed to be a nationwide effort to make sure as few people as possible vote nationwide, which is why us being in this island of incredible, super mm-hmm. easy, long experience, no corruption, no hacking, uh, vote by mail, is a mitzvah. It's an, it's an amazing blessing. Yeah, I heard that uh, 1.2 million Oregonians have already voted. Yes, and that's the reason that, um, you know, people are, are uh, uh, kvetching around the nation about how long it's going to take to know the election outcomes. But my crew is going to start writing stories at 8.05 p.m. on Tuesday. At about 8.01, the county <laughs> and state counties in the state will put out what uh, the early numbers. And those early numbers generally are pretty darn good. We'll be able to write at, you know, we'll be posting on Twitter and Facebook at 8.5, at 8.7. It looks like so-and-so is winning. It looks like so-and-so is losing. It's too close to call. And those numbers could change a little bit. Multnomah County comes in later than Clackamas and Washington. We know, we know some of the trends to watch for. But, yeah, it means that uh, folks who want to know elections in Oregon are going to know it at 8.10, 8.15 on that Tuesday, next Tuesday. And people around the rest of the nation are going to be uh, gnashing our teeth and rending their cloth. Well, we definitely have the advantage of, of having done mail-in voting for a while, and so that, you know, uh, that, that system is, is in place. And that, you know, that number of, of people who voted already, I, it's, it's great to hear because I think it's a vote of confidence in the system that we already have. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, in, in my circle I've heard a lot more calls to drop off one's ballot rather than put it in the mail this year. Um, and so uh, I think, you know, in, in my world that's, that's been the only, the only difference. Um, right. I've, we've, we've heard much of the same thing. And I know my wife, for instance, we always vote to get, to get our ballots together, and then she throws her coat on and walks to a ballot drop. <laughs> yes, For yes. her, it's a tradition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She takes a little selfie as she does it, and that's, that's how she celebrates her, her being a good patriot and doing her, her duty as a voter. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not quite as exciting as, as stepping into a, a physical uh, voting booth, but it's, it's, uh, it's certainly as satisfying when, yeah. when you get to drop that, I that ballot. I do miss the stickers. The stickers. In my with... college town, we got a sticker 
And if you wore your sticker into the local brew pub, you got a free beer. Oh. And this is going to sound really Pollyanna-ish, especially coming from a newspaper editor, but I've been, I'm in about my 25th year of doing this, and more often than not, Portland voters and Oregon voters get it right. Not infallible. They yep. make some errors. They put some goofy people into office, and they voted in some bills that had unintended consequences. But more often than not, in retrospect, Portland voters and Oregon voters do their research and, and hit the mark. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well, and, and kind of with with that in mind, um, thinking about the the city club debates, uh, were there some some new or surprising things that you learned about the candidates uh, during those debates? Uh, no, I'm going to say no. Uh, we they, these were uh, fairly well known candidates. I'm going to say a couple of things. My my uh, very good friend John Schrag did the debate um, of the treasurer's race. And okay. Jeff Goodman, who is an unknown quantity to us, he is the Republican, he's out of Lake Oswego, and a former uh, city councilor, did an awfully good job against uh, the incumbent Tobias Reed. I think uh, we, our GOP has a bit of a weak bench, and I think Mr. Goodman set himself up for the next races that he may or may not have any interest in. I think he, he was better than I anticipated. He held his own really well. That is, by the way, an incredibly, the treasurer's race is an incredibly boring race that nobody pays any attention to. <laughs> It's, nobody well, knows what the treasurer we're, does. We're paying attention because we're actually going to be talking with Tobias Reed next on on the program. Um, so. Then I, sh- I will stop saying what I was about to say, which is that we had two soft-spoken middle-aged white guys on that debate. <laughs> Three, if you count my friend John, uh, the moderator. So, I mean, it, it's, it is not the most exciting race in the world, and it's a, it's it's super technical stuff. And, it's, and you, what you need is you need two really nerdy guys who go up there and debate you know, interest rates. I mean, that's, that's what that race is about. Thank God we have them. Thank God we do it. But it's one of those that nobody really pays attention to. And because there's a lack of passion for that race, incumbency is really a powerful tool. More often than not, an incumbent will win there because nobody cares or knows what he does. Well, and I mean, to, to emphasize that, Ted Wheeler was the treasurer, right, before mm-hmm. he became our mayor. So it might be a, an unglamorous position, but it can lead to very glamorous positions. Right. It's incredibly important. It's one of five elected statewide in state office uh, with uh, the governor and attorney general, uh, secretary of state, uh, labor and industry. And those are the only five, if you don't count our U.S. senators, who are are elected statewide. So it's a really important role and it's a role that is very poorly understood by the electorate. Well, and it's it's good to hear um, your perspective that these are two individuals who um, at, at least can talk the talk that's that's necessary for that. I mean, that's that's what I I want. I want uh, my elected officials to know things that I don't. <laughs> that's that's yeah. why I'm asking them to do the job instead of trying to do it myself. Yes, that's uh, we feel much the same way. We prefer <laughs> the people that we interview to be smarter than us and to know more than us. And when those things don't occur, and you know, we have our I. I got my uh, graduate degree through that prestigious school, Clackamas Community College. If I know more than you and you're running for office, you're in trouble. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. So, so we're, you know, so um, thinking about maybe races that we know more about or, or, or uh, positions that um, make more sense uh, to, to most voters, the, you know, mayor and city council position four, those are high profile races. Yep. Can you help contextualize the metro position? What's, what's at stake in that race? The metro race? Yes. 
Um, that's Mary Nolan versus Chris Smith. Mary mm-hmm. Nolan is a longtime lawmaker. She'd been in the legislature for years. She's had leadership positions in a lot of very left-leaning organizations like uh, uh, NARAL and um, uh, Teatro Milagro, other places. Chris Smith is a techno-wonk. He has been on committees at the state and the regional level on transportation, mm. including uh, Metro Transportation Committee. Uh, two very, very knowledgeable pre- people, both um, as one might expect from the far left. Mm. Um, and uh, um, amongst the big, big issues, Metro, by the way, really interesting. Metro is unique. I'm using yeah. the word of position. There's not another government like it in America that has the same depth and breadth of its, of its functions, ranging from solid waste to the zoo to the urban growth boundary. Uh, and, of course, they've got the, the big elephant. They've got the one point uh, uh God forgive me. It's five point two billion dollar transportation measure on this uh, mm-hmm. on this ballot. So this is a year that that race is, is is fairly important because there are lots of things are going through Metro right now, and Metro is ill understood by most of the electorate. But I will say that Mary Nolan and Chris Smith are very uh, much more similar than they are different. One has more experience in elected office; the other has probably slightly more experience in transportation policy, um, and less in some of the other stuff that Metro works with. But that's one of those races that um, two really, really smart folks stepped up. Well, that's again, that's that's good that uh, you know that 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 you're that you're seeing qualified candidates. Uh, just uh, quickly, as we wrap up here, what will you be paying attention to on election night, or let's let's say election week? Because uh, as we discussed earlier, um, it may not it may not uh, uh, really clear itself out on Election Day itself. A couple of things that are really interesting this time around. We voted on three of five city council members. I don't think that's ever happened in one Mm. year uh, in Portland before because of the death of, of Nick Fish. If all the dominoes fall the right way. We could find, if that is to say, if Wheeler should lose mm-hmm. and if uh, Chloe Udaly should lose, we could find next January that our city council consists of an African-American woman, an African-American man, a Latino woman, a white woman, and a, uh, a, a, an out gay man. That would be the most diverse city council we've ever had. And Joanne Hardesty, who began serving all a long time ago, way, way back in 2019. <laughs> yes, yes, the old timer. Member of the council. Um, that's That's remarkable. Yeah, that one, that we're really following that one. We really want to pay attention to the Secretary of State race, Senator Shemaya Fagan versus Senator Kim Thatcher. This has been primarily union money, public employee union money versus timber money. Uh, so, And uh, uh, they've been hitting the airwaves quite a bit, so that one we're really going to pay attention to. And in my lifetime, I don't remember ever giving a darn about our congressional races, but this year... Uh, Peter DeFazio, District 4, has some actual competition. DeFazio has served 17 years. He served since 1986 when the top movie in America was Top Gun and Whitney Houston was singing How Will I Know. Oh, uh, he's been in office since then. He's running against Alex Scarlatos, who in 2015 was one of the three off-duty military men who stopped a terrorist attack on the Tallis train from Amsterdam to Paris. And he's running really hard, raising a lot of money, raised more money than DeFazio. Um, I don't recall a time when when I thought any of the races were all that interesting for co- Congress, but boy, that one is a that one is a barn burner. Yeah, well, we've we've uh, we live in interesting times, so of course, all of the races would be interesting this time around. If only they the the next time they can be a little more mundane. That, uh, <laughs> your lips to God, dear. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Dana, uh, for for your time today. 
Uh, and um, we will uh, look to the Portland Tribune uh, come election week for some great coverage on what's going on. And we re- appreciate the public debate you all do there. Thank you very much. You got it. Thank you. Thanks to Dana for joining The Local. And thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in just about 30 minutes. Thank you for subscribing and giving the podcast a five-star review. And in tomorrow's episode, you can count on lots of election results and analysis from the team at X-Ray. Thanks for your support. And thank you, Democracy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.